And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. Hey, I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, and with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? Glad the Braves are winning. Man, we got some finally got some good things to talk about. Yeah. People can't moan and groan too much about what's going on right now. <laughs> I mean, say what you will about the level of opponents, but even if Arizona and Colorado aren't world beaters, they're always tough at home, especially the Rockies. I mean, you just do not go in there and sweep the Rockies in three games, much less four, and the Braves just swept them in four games. I, you know, I don't know if I've ever gone into Colorado for three as a Brave, but – to sweep them in four games. I mean, I was watching yesterday, like, especially when Blackman hit that home run. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so hard to sweep any team ever in a four-game set. Yeah. And then to do it in Colorado where all hell seems to break loose at least once or twice. I mean, that was a weird series, but it's pretty incredible to sweep the Rockies in Colorado. I don't know if I've, I, I, I'm curious when the last time that was done was in a four-game set. The last time the Rockies, I got that for you. The, la- the last time the Rockies were swept in a four-game series at home was, of all people, Pittsburgh in 2019. But it's rare. And <laughs> yeah. the Braves had only won one previous four-game series in Denver. Yeah. Normally never, you split had never swept. you just limp out of there and you're happy you're done. Yeah, you're happy with a split normally, man. Usually it's one and three, you know. Um and they had never swept them uh, there. Obviously, they don't. Even, they only swept them one time, and that was in Atlanta. But uh, so yeah, I mean, it's rare. And the, and the Rockies uh, this year had had one of the better home records in baseball before the Braves came to town. They were actually had a good home record. So it was impressive, man. And the way they did it, you know, they have the team meeting before they look. They start the, They start this road trip with the two bad games in Phoenix, which they blew. Um. Meltdowns, so sloppy games, bad defense, bullpen blew it. Um, then they have a team meeting before the series finale. I'm not usually a guy that's big on t- on team meetings, but in this case, I think it was w- warranted given you know you're one third of the way into the season and just not playing the kind of baseball you're supposed to play. Well, since they had that team meeting on uh, on uh, Wednesday morning, the Braves have not lost a game. They won the, for the last game in Arizona, 6-0, played a really crisp, sharp game there in contrast to the first two. And then they go to Colorado and sweep. So, you know, I think, I think Snit handled it well. From what I'm told, it wasn't a, you know, peel the paint off the wall because Snit doesn't really do no, that. that doesn't do anything. It was a more, look, we're a third of the way into the season. We got to refocus. If we plan to do what we want to do, we got to get our minds right, cut out the sloppy mistakes, Start. We got to be conscious of you know where the Mets are, and we got to play better baseball. Basically, was the message to them, and they have. So, hats off to them. Yeah, and I think that the, it couldn't have come at a better time because it wasn't like they just got beat. Th- those first, right. first two games in Arizona, they beat themselves. 
Right. And that's when you want to say, like, even as a manager, hey, guys, we can lose, but we can't lose like this. Like Base running, defense, <laughs> pitching. Those little things that, you know, they make the difference in the games. And when you look back at the end of the year and you give away two of the Diamondbacks, you give away three of the Marlins, you give away a couple of the Nationals, you finish five games back. You know, those are the games that yeah. really piss you off. So I think it was pretty good timing to just basically tell the guys to clean it up. Yeah, and that's basically what the message was and what I understand. Um, the Braves are nine, and, notwithstanding those two games in Arizona, the Braves are nine and four in their last 13 games. They've hit 287 with a 340 on base percentage, an 828 OPS, 57 extra base hits in that span, with more than twice as many doubles, 37 as homers. Okay. And 42 games before that, they were 19 and 23. They hit just 226 compared to 27 in the last 13 games. Had a 298 OBP compared to 340. 689 OPS, and they had 72 doubles and 52 homers. Basically, the offense was revolving around the long ball at that point. Yeah. Pitching wise, in the last 13 games, nine and four, they have a 354 ERA. They had a 394 ERA in the first 42 games. So. Nearly a half run better in these last 13 games. And that's with missing a few guys in a bullpen and, you know, kind of piecemeal in that fifth spot in the rotation, getting nothing out of that until Spencer Strider kind of stepped up in there. Um, so just a pretty good overall turnaround. Uh, and if you throw out those two games in Arizona, it's been a very impressive couple of weeks yeah. for the Braves. Yeah. I think McHugh's been huge in the bullpen, oh, yeah. especially Strider coming out of it. No doubt, man. I was going to mention him in a while. McHugh has been – McHugh and Jackson Stevens yeah. have been pivotal for that bullpen. And, of course, Mentor has been pretty pretty uh, nails every time out, but but except a couple. Yeah, Mentor – I mean, this is the guy I thought he, – he's been this guy now for a while, so it's not like he's just turning into it. But, yeah, I remember watching him struggle when he came up and thinking, I don't – I don't know how this guy's giving up runs with his stuff. And it's and that's just kind of the learning curve. Which is what's more, uh, it makes it harder to believe all the time that he spent a month in AAA last year. <laughs> yeah. That was last summer. Last summer. Because since then, he's been arguably the best reliever, you know, with Matzik struggles this year for taking over all that whole body of work. Mentor yeah. has been their best. Yeah, and he's. I, I love having a guy like him you know, not more than a closer because somebody's got to hold that night down, but I love having him kind of float. You know, I like, I like him being able to come in in the seventh or eighth yeah. or, you know, big jams, bases loaded. You know, I like being able to bring him in in those at bats versus having to save him for the ninth. Yeah. You have to have a guy like that. Um, Yesterday's game was, it was an odd one because it starts out here. Series finale. You're like, okay. The Braves have played really well these first three games. Charlie Morton gives three runs in the first inning. He cannot find the strike zone. Throws 41 pitches in the first inning. And you're like, okay, they were bound to lay an egg, you know, before they went home. Yeah. It's too bad. They're going to go. They're going to lose this series finale. Then have an off day, and it really ruins the, you know, takes the, that great taste out of the mouth. Still had a winning road trip, but, you know, you close it in a shitty fashon. So what does Charlie do, though? That dude hunkered down <laughs> after that inning. I didn't think he was going to make it out of the first inning. But Snit didn't take him out. Snit didn't even come close to it. It looked like, even though he walked three. Threw 41 pitches in the first inning. And here the guy is on the mound in the fifth inning and completely settled down after that. 
had a great three innings before the fifth, gave up another on a homer in the fifth. But overall, I thought that five-inning start yesterday, given that he could not command a fastball in that first inning, I thought it was about as impressive as, as any. And he's had some really great starts, clean starts. But over his two years with the Braves, that was pretty impressive to come back from that first inning that he like he did. Boy, and he still didn't have it. I mean, if you watched, he he was missing some of his spots by four right. feet. You know, I I've, I've been wondering if if you know his his leg. You know, maybe he doesn't feel it, but breaking his leg last year, if he's just <clears throat> you know landing different, or or it's it's not accepting his front side the same way as it would if he'd never broken it, because he's for me, I've watched him and I've felt like. 60% of the time he's been on the mound this year, he's had no feel. Like right. he's just battling himself. Right. Um, Grinding. And I, I've wondered if that's affected him or whatever it is, but I've never seen a guy just continually find a way. When you when you look at his start, there's an inning every start early on. You look at it and say, yeah. he's given up six or he's out in the second. You know, like there, this is going to be a wash, a wasted start, and it's going to wear out the bullpen. And Charlie's found a way almost every single start this year to battle through it and give his team innings. It, it's impressive. I don't know how he's doing it because when you don't have field, man, it's – and you can see it. He's spiking yeah. curveballs, airmailing fastballs up in a way. St- misses you've never seen him make, you know, before this year. But that was pretty impressive. If you looked at it and he went – if you go five innings, four runs in Colorado. Yeah. You, you did your job. That's a quality Colorado start. I mean <laughs> – you're just happy to get out of there without giving up eight. Yeah, he's been the definition of grinding this year, man. Man, he's been grinding. <laughs> 38 years old, and he's out there. like He's a warrior out there because he, like you said, it is nothing like last year when he was pinpoint and had that sweeping breaking ball, consistent breaking ball. I mean, it was unhittable. Yeah. And this year, it's like hitters he's know. He's been feeling he for it. Yeah, and hitters know he can't throw the fastball for strikes a lot of the time, so it's like. It's just whole totally different results he's getting. But um <laughs> which if you look at it, he's now allowed he's allowed uh four runs in five innings yesterday's ERA climbed back to five six three, more than double last year, through fifty-seven pitches into four innings in the last four innings, after forty in the first, forty-one in the first. Yep. Um gives up six hits. Three walks, all the walks in the first inning, amazingly, and had eight strikeouts in five innings. I mean, all in all, considering the disaster it was in the first inning, that's I pretty know. damn good. I, it's it's so easy to cave, especially you know it's it's one thing if you're making pitches and getting yeah. hit, yeah. But when you have no clue where the ball's going on the mound and you're pitching in Colorado, it's so easy to just look at the dugout and be like, "Get me out of here." You know, and he he hasn't done that once. He's he's just continually found a way to just battle through, and it's 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 the most impressive thing for me that I've seen him do because I know how hard it is to pitch when you have no clue where the ball's going, and it, you could see it even when he starts rolling, he'll still get you know oh one on a guy and fire a fastball 12, 15 inches off the plate. You know he's trying to throw a strike. And then come back with a spike curveball. Now he's 2-1, and he gets to 3-1, and he finds a way to get the guy to ground out or pop up or come yeah. back in the count and strike a guy out. But he's the definition of of just gritty grinder, just veteran so, this year. Last six starts, the Braves have won five of his past six starts. 
I mean, I don't know. If, I don't think it's coincidence. They 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 are inspired by this dude, man. But uh, he's three and zero with a four seven zero ERA in that stretch. The Braves' runs totals in those six games: nine, six, five, eight, seven, and eight. <laughs> well, that helps. <laughs> There's that a lot helps. of people that would kill for that kind of run support. Yeah, like a couple of those Marlins pitchers. Yeah, Alcantara would be eight and zero. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, some other things, really, because there's, there's a lot to be encouraged by. Unlike our previous podcast, there's legitimately a lot to be encouraged by about this Braves road trip. Ronald Acuna, he goes four for five on Sunday, three three runs and a homer, and it was a monster homer. Line drive, 441 feet to left field, just a rocket off the bat, 112 miles an hour, four hits, master career high. He went uh, 17 games and over 80 plate appearances without a homer. But on this trip, I really thought he began to look like the Acuna that we've become accustomed to, at least for a lot more of his A-Bs during this trip. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking watching him. You know, he's starting to hit those pitches he hits, but I don't even think he's locked in yet because I've I've watched him hit a lot of balls, you know, middle away, and he's fouled them off. He's, He's gotten his pitch a lot on this road trip and still kind of missed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's still raked the whole trip, but I, I think he's still got, I think he's still going to get even better this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's missed a lot of pitches that he doesn't normally miss. Um, the other good thing about the other encouraging thing, maybe the most encouraging thing, he started and played the yep. full game in six of the seven games on the road, four in right field, two at DH. And that was only because of the fake grass at Arizona. I think yeah. he would have probably played all those games in right field. So we'll see now that they're home on this homestand. Um, and they have an off day today. So I would fully expect him to be out in right field for both games against Arizona. Then the Pittsburgh comes in for four. I don't know. I think he'll probably play six out of the seven. That wouldn't surprise me. But anyway, he plays six of the seven games, including a couple of extra inning games or three extra inning games, was it? I forget now. He went, and that's the other thing. They won two extra inning games after losing the first four this year. They've won the last two. So that's also a big sign. They got multiple runs in those two ones they went that they won. So they're figuring that out, that aspect of it out. I still don't I don't think I like it. Yeah. But Acuna on the trip. 10 for 26, hit 385, two doubles, a homer, seven runs, four RBIs, three walks, a hit by pitch, six strikeouts. That's pretty low. 452 OBP from that leadoff spot, 577 slug and 1,029 OPS. You'll take that. If yeah, he's missing well, I mean, balls or not, you'll take that. If he stays right there, he's those are Hall of Fame numbers. <laughs> uh, and considering, like you said, he's not really locked in yet, that's even more impressive that he's put up those kind of numbers. So The, the main thing that made me think he wasn't locked in is he started running on that home run he hit yesterday. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't slow down until it got out, and he hit that ball 440. Well, he still managed to do the full repertoire of. <laughs> yeah. But off the bat, he wasn't sure if he got it or not. That's yeah. just how much raw, crazy power he has. Because he knew he hit that ball with some topspin, even though he crushed it and wasn't sure if it was going to get out. And it went out by f- what, 50, 60 feet. Yeah, that was a bomb. He had, he did the, the silencer this time appropriately because it was on, on the, the road. road. Yeah. <laughs> he so he's making the course, adjustments. The course crowd did not appreciate that. Um, yeah, he had a bad flip. 
He had the Euro step at third, and then he did the silencer. <laughs> I don't know what else you can pack in there. Well, Valbert asked him just that. What else can you do on this thing, as a matter of fact? And he said, he said on the next one, he wants to do the Trey Young ice tray thing. <laughs> ice tray celebration where, ice tray, where Trey Young does this. Probably the worst thing that could have happened was LeBron giving him a shout out after he did the silencer. I, I thought <laughs> like, the same thing. Don't feed him. <laughs> Well, anyway, it's a show, man. Can't can't say it's not a show. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Dansby Swanson, another thing encouraging. He's been raking for a while now, but uh, he hit 172, no homers, Four ribbies and a 526 OPS. 26 strikeouts. Remember when he was leading the majors in strikeouts? That was the first 17 games of the season. Yep. 26 strikeouts. Since then. Now, it's not it's not a short span here. This is a legitimate stretch here. No, he's raking. 38 games since then. The dude is at 317. I'm writing about him today, by the way. Six doubles, six homers, 22 ribbies, 874 OPS, 36 strikeouts, relatively low. I mean, that's less than one per game after striking out 26 in the first 17 well, it's games. It's acceptable it's, when you're doing the rest of exactly. it. Exactly. When you're hitting mm-hmm. 317 with an 874 OPS and power, you'll take Go ahead, it. yeah. And since May 13th, he's taken it up even a little bit more. Last point, uh, last uh, 23 games, he's hit 330, four homers, 16 ribbies, eight walks, 20 strikeouts, and an 891 OPS in 23 games. This while playing the best defense of his career. He's had spurts where he's played great defense. Uh, I mean, he's just a really good defender. But I would say this year overall has been his best defensive year, and the metrics point to that. Yeah. He's, I've, I've always felt like he was underrated defensively. Yeah. A lot of people have. A lot of people have. There could be, I think there could be gold glove in this in this guy's future for sure. Riley too. Riley's been Riley's been playing some third base. Riley unfortunately has the it plays a position with Arenado, you know? Yeah. So as long as yeah. he's in the league, it's tough to, to supplant him. But and Dansby plays uh, a position that is loaded with good defenders, yeah. obviously. But this guy's right up there, man. And statistically, if you look at it this year, the analytics say he's been as good as anybody or better this year. Yeah. I, I he's gonna be I wonder if you're a GM, if you almost want him to slow down a little bit so you can keep him. Because if he does this and plays that defense. Yeah, but you can't want because he's, he's so important <laughs> to them winning, you know? I know. But don't but, you th- I, You know what? Eric, it's time to sign this guy, man. It's too late. 
Well, you got to try. I mean, I don't know if they're trying. I haven't heard, but yeah, you could have signed him when he was hitting two two hundred and striking somebody, out. Every somebody else just out, signed, right? somebody else just signed an extension. Who was it with another team? Right, it was it was a healthy big extension. Right. Well, if they're not trying, they should be. Alex should be because, like you said, it's going up by the week. The price is. If he plays <laughs> like this, I mean, what you got going for you, obviously, is he is a total Atlanta guy. Now, Freddie played here his whole career and wanted to stay here. Dansby's from here. Yeah. He's got like companies that are rooted in Atlanta stuff, clothing companies and all that. His wife and him have a house here. He's all about Atlanta, man. Constantly doing commercials, PSAs and stuff about Atlanta. Well, and that's a lot tougher sell if you go to the, you know, the Yankees. <laughs> right. And took you over an extra 10 mil, you right. even go to the Yankees, you know, that, so that, I guess that plays into their hand, but Right, and you're just doing the Atlanta stuff, you know, on the local television. And the <laughs> come back yeah. into town with your Yankees hat on. It's not the same. Or a Mets, even worse at yeah, this Mets, point. Mets, you might as well just yeah. sell, the, sell the brand. As Tommy, as Tom Glavin found out when he went there for a few years, a couple of years, whatever it was. Oh, it's Jordan <laughs> yeah. Alvarez. Yeah. I, when he plays like he has now for a while, I'm sold on Dansby. And also, he brings so much to a team. And I see mm-hmm. this now, especially with Freddie gone. I see this so much. He is he brings so many intangibles to a team that I just don't know that you can keep slicing off piece big pieces of your culture and, and expect just to continue replacing guys like him and guys like Freddie. Because <coughs> they don't come a dime of a dozen. You played with a whole lot of guys. I played with some guys that put up their numbers and brought nothing to the team. Yeah. I mean, like it, game's over, they're showering and they leave. You know, they take a uh, they take their food to go post game, and they don't even eat with the guys. And it's like, you know, thanks for hitting three thirty with twenty this year, but we don't. You, you don't even feel like they're a part of it. Especially sometimes it happens with trades. You know, a guy goes from yeah a big market team and he's a big deal, and they've been winning a long time, and then they come to you know a smaller market, maybe not a small market, <laughs> but they come to a team that they don't feel attached to, and they just kind of punch the clock and. You know, you're glad you got them in the trade, and they put up their numbers, but they don't they don't impact the the vibe and the team. And and those guys that are the guys that are putting up numbers and and leading your team with the numbers are the most important guys to be speaking up because it's it's really hard for a guy hitting two ten off the bench to have that team meeting. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm curious who spoke or what that team meeting looked like if it was Snit or if it was players saying stuff or or what it was, but it seemed to have a pretty good effect. Yeah, and just uh. The other thing, and I, and I'm, the story I'm writing about Dansby today, I quote Shoemake from when I was at minor league camp. I talked to Shoemake, Braden Shoemake, and out unsolicited, he said Dansby was the guy that more than anybody had pulled him aside and helped him. Shoemake, the shortstop prospect from Texas A&M, yep. said during Grapefruit League games when he was brought over a couple times and played, Dan he come out of the game, come out off on the bat, come out of the game. Dansby sit down beside him and start talking to him about what he saw and everything. Yeah, I mean that. That says something because not veterans don't have to do that, and most of them don't bother with the kid that they don't even know about from wherever, you know. And 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 the guy sits down at a great food league game. Most of them are you know want to get their bats and get out of there. You know, it's not a game yeah. you have to win or anything. But he sits down by this guy and starts helping him out and show it, telling him everything he knows. So I, I just a lot think of guys don't even say hi to you in a the hallway. They just walk right by you, big leave yeah. the shit out of you, but. You know, for, I've said it on here plenty of times, but that was one of the biggest changes in my career was throwing to BMAC and not just throwing to him, but him 
coming in, you know, we're, we're brushing our teeth and getting dressed after the game. And he's saying, dude, your slider is so filthy. You know, yeah. and I've, ne- I've never had another catcher or player or anybody talk to me like that. The next time I go to throw that slider, I have so much more confidence in it because of who said that. Yeah. You know, it's it's one thing for a pitching coach, you know, supposed to kind of coddle you and pump you up to say it. But for a guy to go out of his way with clout, you know, right. a guy with a lot of experience and he's caught a lot of sliders to tell you this is one of the best lefty sliders I've ever caught. I'm like, shit, you call that <laughs> yeah. three two now. I'm I'm trusting it more and I'm aiming middle and letting the slider take care of it instead of thinking I have to be perfect. And that's kind of that's a big shift that's happened in the game and why I think you see so many more young guys come up and produce is because young guys come up now and instead of getting hazed and big leagued and acting like they don't belong, right. Right. they got guys taking them under their wing and, and pushing them forward. And I, I think overall, I think Atlanta's one of the better organizations for that. No doubt. There's no doubt. And they did that when they had Acuna coming up and knew they were going to rely so much on a couple of these prospects. And they're like, yep. we don't want them walking around around on eggshells and worrying about shit they shouldn't worry about. We just want to play in the best because we need them. But yeah, just going back to Dan's one more time. Austin Riley is like one locker apart from him in the clubhouse. So they sit there, they talk a lot. But Austin said during the game, he is like constantly looking over to Dansby and asking Dansby questions about like almost every batter. You think a bunt, you think a chance. And Dansby fills him in. He said, the guy's so smart. He knows the quarterback. Yeah. He called him the captain of the infield. Yeah. And I, I just think uh, Austin Riley's development wouldn't be nearly where it is now if he'd, if he'd have run a few short stops through there in his time here or he didn't have a guy there that knows the game so well and is willing to share during the game rather than just worried about himself and, you know, his own stats and everything. So I just, uh, I, you know, for the Braves' sake, I, I, I and I think they understand how important Dansby is, but I, we said the same thing about Freddie. So I just yeah. hope that there's not people that are the ultimate budget decision makers don't think that you can just keep cycling through guys and the culture can maintain because it can't, you got to have some stability. You know, you had Chipper Jones here for almost 20 years. You know, yep. you had Smoltzy here for almost as long. You had Andrew, you know, Manning Centerfield for 13 years. So you got to have some, some connective tissue between when you, especially when you get going good, like they have been. And well, Dan's, and how to play the game. You know, you watch Dansby when he's struggling. He never takes right. a playoff on defense. Right. And that that's – you can't set a better example than that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they got Grissom coming up. He's probably a couple years away. Uh, and Dansby might not be interested in, a, in anything other than a long-term deal. And you're set at third base. So that's the problem if there is one. But we've said that about prospects, though. You don't know. You just don't know. But I know these are all going into the decision. And ultimately, Dansby might want a hell of a lot more than I than than what we think he he might uh, act legitimately get from the Braves. So, but we'll see. But I just uh, just stressing the importance of this guy. And I've been hammered on his stats before when he's been really bad, I, as much as anybody. But you just watch him play and talk to other people, and and the defense has been so good this year. And you just realize how important a guy is, how valuable he is. Oh yeah. It, so. Even you know, even though even when he's when he's struggling, when he's mm-hmm. not hitting well. I still feel good about him coming up in a big at bat. Yeah. Yeah. Even when he's hitting 220 and he's been striking out a ton. I, I just feel like he's he's one of those rare guys. He's just a winner. You know, like he right. even if he's struggling early on in the game, he'll find a way to put a good at bat together. He might not get a hit, but he's not going to go up there and just give away at bats. 
he just his effort never slumps and it's it's a hard game and it's it's easy to watch players take that out in the field with him or even running the bases he's always playing his ass off and that and that comes up a lot when you ask when you talk to people about him as winner winning player yep and it just comes to people's mind when they're talking about him and it's yep. probably not a coincidence. The guy won the first national championship for Vanderbilt. This guy was the most outstanding yeah. player of the College World Series that year, and won a real World Series. You know, and I won mean, a real World Series, and yeah. hit a, and hit a pivotal home run in the real World Series. Yep. So, yeah, he's, he's a winner. You know, and those those are guys you don't want to let go. You know, you can't just look at the numbers. And and a, and a tried and true Atlanta guy. Not that that's the most important thing or anything, but it's nice when you can have a superstar from your. A, a star, I wouldn't say superstar when you could have a foundational player from your city that doesn't want yeah. to go anywhere else. You know, I mean, he yeah. loves Atlanta. This guy loves Atlanta. So yeah, they got the he's got the same agent as Freddie too, right? Yep, that that's Hopefully. probably not good. But well, maybe <laughs> he's learning. You, maybe, you know? maybe he makes adjustments. Wanted, he might say, "Damn, I can't let this happen twice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would probably be thinking that. Yeah. Anyway, um, a couple other things that were encouraging out of Denver: Adam Duvall. I mean, he's yeah. had a woeful season at the plate, man. But the last two games at Coors Field, he's always hit there, especially against, uh, oh, God, who did he hit the bomb off? He's got huge numbers against, what's his name? Pitched for the Braves for a year. Chasin. Yes. yes. God, yeah. he's got huge numbers against Chasin. I can't believe that uh, but that Black left him in to face Adam, actually. But uh, he goes uh, – Two, last two games in Coors Field, four for nine with a double, triple, and that long homer. Previous 23 games, Duvall had no homers, hit 178 with a 456 OPS, 24 strikeouts, 73 at bats. So you just got to hope he can get a little momentum off those two games because he needed that something awful, man. And he plays yeah. pretty good defense too, especially out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I've seen, he's done it, done it before. He did it in Cincinnati one year for a whole season. And I guess you kind of wonder – well, I mean the slump, though. Oh yeah, yeah. And he just fell off a cliff, but right. I don't know. I, I I really admire guys that can just the whole mail it in aspect of he's just looked off at the plate. I mean, just lost. But to keep keep battling, battling, battling. He struck out in his at bat before. He's getting ripped on. You know, I scroll yeah. through some stuff on Twitter and see how. I mean, if you try to avoid it, there's so many people talking shit about him. It pops up on your feed. Yeah. Um, but just to keep putting together at bats, and then what do you know? He hits he hits a homer that puts the game away because you're not safe when you're up one right. one or even two in extra innings, especially Colorado with a free runner. He hits that two run homer, and even the ball he hit yesterday off the fence was probably yeah yeah it was a homer on the old old field. But I mean, he yeah. hit that ball four hundred something to right center. Yeah. That was one off the plexiglass. Yeah, that was a home run before they put the plexiglass up a couple of years ago. Yep, three years yep. ago, whatever it was. Um, yeah, Oppo powered, big. The other one, Matt Olson. He started the season on fire. We knew it was going to cool yep. off, but he really cooled off for a while. Well, he's hot again then now, and he had a hell of a road trip. He is eleven for thirty-five, three fourteen, five doubles, two homers, twelve RBIs in his last eight games. Yep. And two long home runs on that trip. He had a 441-footer to straight center at Coors. That was impressive. That ball was destroyed. Yeah. He's really – when he gets going, man, when this guy gets locked in, he is – he's something. He's, he's a big, strong guy with them long levers, and he gets that leverage going, and he can hit bombs. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny that he's kind of been looked at as being off or not 
locked in, but he's still leading the league in doubles. He's it, and he's tied for the lead in extra base hits. All right, he's yeah. right behind Devers, and he's tied with Harper and uh, a couple other studs with extra base hits. Lead. Yeah, yeah, if you look at his numbers after after this series, they're right there with Freddie's. They're slightly better. He's got like yep. three more homers than Freddie. Two two less ribbies. Slightly better OPS. I mean, his average is about forty points below Freddie's, but who cares? I mean, everything else is right there with Freddie's. More extra base hits. So. He's overall, he's getting a job done. There's no doubt. Yeah. And he gets hot like this, and those numbers are going to get inflated in a hurry. And yeah. I thought he made a spectacular play to end that series because Kenley yeah. didn't get over to cover first. Big man, Kenley, altitude, you know, the whole heart thing. You know, he's kind of careful there, but he didn't quite get over there. And I thought it was smarter Olsen because a lot of guys would have still flipped it to Kenley and hoped he'd have got yeah. there in time. Olsen tucked that ball. Made a run, dashed to first base, dove, which you had to, or he wouldn't have got him. Tagged yep. it with his with his glove, and there was a heap of big men right there at once. <laughs> yeah, I saw Kenley jump over him. Yeah, Kenley jumps over him. Six foot five, six foot six, Kenley, six foot five, Olsen. They're about seven hundred pounds meeting at first base. <laughs> whoever was running, it was like it could have been a it could have been a disaster of limbs there, but that was a hell of a way to end the series, man. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just one of those plays that. It happens to you a lot as a pitcher where yeah. you get that late jump and they still flip it to you and you're like, "What? Yeah, I'm three steps behind this guy and you're you're five feet from the bag." But it, it's you just go on autopilot, you right. know, and, and they just kind of that they're just already thinking about doing that. But one of those ones where you read and he read it and thought, "There's no chance Kenley's beating him," and just instinctually just dashed and over the bag. Um, that was I mean, Freddie covered my ass with that a million times because I never got to first right. base and right. He'd be in, did it all the time. He'd be in the grass on a hard hit ground ball to first, and he'd just go in a dead sprint to first base like, this idiot's not going to make it there in time. But it, Olsen had to read that and saw that Kenley wasn't coming and, and took off and dove. But, I mean, that was just that was the trip they needed, I think, to, to kind of get him going. How terrifying is that for a relief pitcher when you realize the guy's going to flip it to me anyway? And you're looking close. at the angles in your head. You're like, I'm not going to make it, but I still got to <laughs> catch it. While running yep. and avoid getting stepped on by the guy or twisting my ankle on the bag. There's a lot going on at once, man. I was the worst at that play. Every, you know what I did every time? I was I, I was just so focused on making the pitch. I'd throw it and I'd see it hit and I'd be like, oh, good. Right. You know, I got my ground ball. And right. I'd be like, shit, I got to run. And I'd run over there and I'm not a fast runner. You know, so I'd be late every time. I think, you know, Freddie picked up on that. Probably my second year with the Braves, and then every time he got a ball, he was just sprinting to first, and I loved him for it. But yeah, it's a it's kind of a tough play, especially as a lefty, because you're falling off that right, way, right? Or if you have a big finish, you know. And Kenley's got his heart thing, so yeah, just a, just a good play to just just kind of a heads up play to, and you never know if that guy gets on, like yeah. when Blackman when Blackman oh, yeah. let off that inning with a home run, yeah, talking about a four game sweep. Yeah. I was like, I thought they were going to extras or losing it right there. Yeah, Blackman's still a hell of a player, at least against the Braves, man. Yeah, he is. He's solid. He crushed oh. that ball off Kenley. Oh. Kenley, that was one of those balls, though, that, that I was talking about, and I think that's why Strider struggled. Um, but that was one of those balls. That ball Kenley threw, <laughs> it didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, it didn't cut. It didn't sink. And I, he doesn't throw anything straight, and that ball went dead right. straight, and it was just a cookie for Blackman. Yeah, there were a lot of those balls that were hit hard by both teams that you saw just didn't have any movement. Yep. Left up in the zone, no movement at all. Colorado, Colorado sliders, as uh, Moylo said. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, the the uh, I was wondering because some guys, some relief pitchers, some dominant relief pitchers have they finish in such an undefensive position, and you're right. like, God, can't you just tweak that a little bit? Because there is no way you're getting to a ball hit right over here, or if you have to cover first base, there's almost no way you're going to do it. But I guess it's so important to them the way they finish, to how they how they can finish their pitches that that supersedes any kind of. Uh, uh, being in a position to field a ball. But as a starting pitcher, you almost have to be in a better position to field a ball. The good ones tend to be in a better position because there's so many balls hit there over the course of a, of a game. There's usually a couple. Hit well, that's what, makes it, that's what makes it impressive what Max does too because Max is just a great athlete and he makes right. up for his finish. Yeah. But he, he went and got a ball on the third baseline the other day yeah. that – I. I would have never made that play in my career yeah. under any circumstance, and he made it look easy. He's so athletic. Um, he's just so athletic, you know. But he's Max has fallen way toward <laughs> third base, but he's, you know, he's like the opposite of me. Is he's a he's playing baseball? Yeah, he's on the an, mound. he's an infielder for all intents and purposes. He's like yeah. having a fifth infielder out there. He's playing baseball. He's not pitching. You know? right. <laughs> like he's no he's doubt. in the game. No doubt. He's fun to watch. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Michael Harris. We talked about him last week. Uh, he took it up a notch on this trip. We thought, you know, once he got away from the Ballyhoo being brought up, hometown, all his fans, his family in the crowd, you mm. know, and just getting used to It's just crazy. He flew from Pensacola. Six in the morning, no sleep, plays his first two games. We thought when he went on the road and got 
in, in a hotel, away from family, get some sleep. Sure yeah. enough, he played his ass off on this trip, man. Yep. The, the, the defense has been spectacular. But after going one for nine his first three major league games, he had, he's hit 320 in his last six, eight for 25. Three doubles, three RBIs, 786 OPS in six games. I couldn't be more impressed than I am with this guy. The defense has been off the charts. Gets to everything. Great speed. It's, you know, he looked a little antsy at the plate his first few games, but his defense, just how casual he's getting the balls and comfortable he is, you know, yeah. you can tell there's not – he has n- no nerves at all in the field. Made yeah. some great catches. And, you know, I was a little worried about his swing when I saw it, just wondering if he could get to high fastballs. Yeah. Because he's got such a downward plane to his swing. Yeah. But he hit a couple pitches up in the zone hard. Yeah. They um, made an adjustment. I think that was it. Yeah. When they were in Arizona, they were, he worked with the hitting coaches. And we kind of talked about his bat, like, you know, if it's there, right. good. But the more I've watched him swing, he, he he's going to start creeping down that order. Yeah. Especially as he gets comfortable. I mean, his defense is so good. If he had 250 with a little bit of power, that'd be fine this year. But he's mm-hmm. better. He's much better than that. No, he's, he's going to be the superstar you were telling me. It's crazy, man, because I, you know, I can't even relate to when you talk about a guy having no nerves at all in the outfield because a little antsy at the plate in his first ABs. But that special athlete that separates major leaguers from others. Yeah. He's out in the field, and there's 40,000 people yelling and everything. And a ball's hit a fly ball at Coors Field, which is the hardest center field to play in baseball. And he's, it's not, there's no nerves. There's no nothing. He's just instincts take over. He goes and gets the ball. And I just can't even relate to that with the difference no. between a big leaguer and a really good minor leaguer or, you know, the guy that was so good in high school or whatever. But it's just a different, it different is. athletes, man. And it's just one of those, you know, I think it's like you when Acuna came up. They're so damn good at the game that they've never really had to try. And your instinct when you get called up is to try to do more, try to be better, and then you're you're distracted with all this stuff going on. You got more adrenaline than you've ever played with. I mean, the biggest challenge when you get called up is just to play your game and play the same game. Slow the game, make and sure the game slowed down. That's why I never get hyped up about prospects because I feel like the biggest test is once that forty thousand, that that second and third decks yep. in the stadium, once that atmosphere changes and they don't change, and they're not overwhelmed by it, that's when I start believing in prospects. Because there's so many guys that they have all the tools, and they come up like the Kelnick guy with the Mariners. Yeah, He's got every single tool. He's got power. He's got a great swing. There's no reason he should be struggling the way he is, but he's overwhelmed by the level. Right. You know, it's not The pitching's better. You get exposed if you have a hole. But overall, the biggest hurdle is just being comfortable in the environment and being yourself. And Harris, for me, watching him doesn't look like Kyle Wright, we saw that deer in the headlights look with him. Yeah. When he'd get in trouble, you could for see the first, game speeding up on him. The game looks like it's the same speed for Harris as it's always been. Yeah, and he's out there so comfortable that he's still wearing his uh, – he has his collection <laughs> of headbands, and he's still wearing them, the cartoon ones and everything. I mean, to have the kind of confidence and be so 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 relaxed that you're thinking I can still do that rather than I'm going to put that aside for, you know, the first month I'm in the big leagues. Yeah. I'm just going to play, put my head down, but to still feel confident enough to put that on, I'm going to put this one on, which one I'm going to wear today and then go out and do what you're doing. Impressive. Impressive. Yeah. And you know, special kid, man. He is. You don't want to give it. It's kind of ridiculous to think that that would matter to guys, but feeling cool. It's a big deal as far as confidence goes. And right. I think that's another one of those big changes that's happened in the game where 
if your headband makes you feel cool and you play your ass off with it, throw that thing on and go catch the ball. Yeah. You know, that, that type of stuff really shifted in the game. And I, I think that's a big reason why you see so many more young guys come up and, and succeed right away is because nobody's telling them, you know, it, like if they told Acuna, you can't wear all that yellow. Right. He feels cool in it. Right. <laughs> like right. If you can say what you want about it. He's honoring Venezuela and they let yeah. him do it. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 I admire the Braves for doing that. I don't know if it's, I, I would probably wouldn't have felt the same way 10 years ago, but it's not hurting anybody. And he likes doing it. And then you see Contreras do it too. Cause he's from Venezuela. And so he it's feels kind of, good. So it's kind of cool that the two of them have this thing with Venezuela, man, because it's big. The yep. sport is huge in Venezuela, and, yeah. and Acuna's a god down there. You know, he's the next yep. Miggy down there. So more power to him, man. Um, yeah, I, I would go and say that the Braves have a pair of young outfielders that no other team in baseball can match with Acuna mm-hmm. and Harris. I really do believe that these guys can play together for a long, long time and be and win a, multiple gold gloves apiece. That's pretty having, special. Having both of those guys, oh. I mean, you can you can shade them so far toward left field, and they can still cover. You know, it, it takes pressure off the left fielder a lot. But it's, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of games where the other team's shaking their head because they went up and they hit balls hard, yeah, and they felt like they should have got their knocks and they're out. And that's there's nothing more discouraging for hitters than hitting a bullet in the gap, and some guy who's just a freak athlete just runs it down and takes that hit away. And anybody that was worried about trading Pache, Ray, I, you know, they come to town. Oakland comes to town this week for two games. And now that they got Harris, I don't think anybody's going to be going, oh, man, we shouldn't have traded Pache. Because, I mean, this guy yeah. plays the same level of defense or pretty close right there with him and hits twice as much. So Yeah. Well, hey, Pache's going to hit five homers in this series just because that's how it works. But <laughs> the former team card, as Nick calls it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Harris is uh, – I tell you what, man, Harris is the guy that I think the Braves, like they did with Acuna and Ozzy, need to get signed to a long-term extension really early in his career. Oh, I'd really, be slipping, really I'd be early. slipping little pieces of paper in his locker every day if yeah. I was AA. I mean, really early. Like yeah. I don't think this offseason is too early. <laughs> no, no, especially if if you get the Ozzy deal. I mean, there's yeah. basically no risk. But even an Acuna type of deal. Yeah, if he play if he plays his ass off this year, and you want to take a gamble, it could it could save you a lot of dollars long term. Buy out buy out uh, the five more years before free agency. Yeah, and then a couple of free agent years, I'd do it. I'd do it. I don't think there's any risk with this kid at all, at yeah. all. Um, okay, last to wrap this up. Big. This is a, we talked about how they had a uh, you know 17 games in 17 days. They got through that stretch pretty good, pretty pretty well considering. Um, and they have this period they're in the middle of like 29 games against below 500 teams. Well, the next 12 for the Braves are against the A's, Pirates, Nationals, and Cubs. All those teams that, except the Pirates are at least 10 games under 500. That same period, the Mets, who just split with the Dodgers, the Mets were impressive winning these last two days, man. They ain't going yeah. anywhere. They are tough. Yeah. The yeah. Mets got to face the Padres, Angels, Brewers, and Marlins. They're in that same stretch that the Braves are playing those four crappy teams. The Braves really need to get, gain a few more games on them during this stretch. And then you got a real manageable five, six game deficit as opposed, or four or five game deficit as opposed to the eight and a half that it still is, even after you had this good road trip. Yeah. Well, I think that the key is to not take these teams for granted, right. you know, because I, th- I was watching the, the Dodgers got swept by the Pirates at home. You know, I mean, it, how about it, that? 
It's insane, but yeah. it, it's kind of one of those things where it's it's easy to take a team for granted. Um, I mean, it would happen to me in my career a lot. You know, I, we'd go Phillies, Dodgers, or something like that when both of them were at their peak, and I'd have six great appearances. And then you go into Miami, and the stadium's dead, and right. they're not. You know, they're doing whatever they're doing, and you kind of you kind of go into the games asleep. Which might have been, you know, that might have been kind of something that happened those first two games in Arizona. You, you feel like you're catching a breather, and then you realize, shit, we're still playing a major league baseball team. Yeah. Um, but for this next stretch there, they need to they need to treat it like like they're playing the Mets every game. You know, it, it, something you can't really take for granted. But if they if they were to get the lead down to f- four or five, now you're putting some serious pressure on yeah. the Mets to keep it up. Yeah, because the Mets did what they had to do while the Braves were on this best stretch they've yeah. had all year. The Mets are still a game more ahead of them than they were two weeks ago when they were seven yeah. and a half. Now it's eight and a half. That's yeah. how the Mets are damn good, man. And they They're went good. out to Dodger Stadium and came back in a couple of games and won those last two games out there impressively. That's what I hate about them. Yeah. I hate that I hate that they're they're winning games they're not supposed to. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to be down late in LA yeah. and win that game. And that's that's probably what scares me the the most about them is that they have that they kind of have that magic the Braves have had, you know, that made you believe in the team where mm-hmm. they get these, they get these late comebacks. They don't give up that, that to me signifies a really strong clubhouse and, and you know, that team chemistry we always talk about. Yeah. And they just, you just look at them, you look at them celebrate and coming back. They just, they have no bearing. They have no uh, resemblance to what they've looked like in recent years. Just They're not, not playing with that New York pressure. No. Did you see uh did you see uh, Dave Roberts tried to bring a position player in? Yes. Yes, how about Buck, man? Yep. I didn't know that rule. I didn't either. And apparently Buck didn't even call them on it. The umpire knew the rule. Yeah. Everybody just assumed Buck doesn't miss anything. He, But I think the umpire knew the rule. I didn't either. Yeah. Um, It's got to be a six-run de- game either way. Because remember yeah. the uh, – uh, who was it used – the Cardinals, Cardinals used guys. They used Yachty winning. and Pujols up big. So up but if big. it's within six – Somebody told me it's because now that you have to have designated uh, position players and pitchers on your roster, right? That you wouldn't be able to just call, you know, Josh Hader a position player and then still pitch him in a close game to get that extra pitcher on your roster, right? And so that makes a little more sense to me, but I still think it's ridiculous to punt a game only down five at home. Ridiculous, especially the way runs are scored now. The innings that people have, ridiculous. With I the hate Dodgers it. lineup, yeah, I hate it. I love that the Braves have almost never done the position player pitching thing. I just taught me old yeah. school, but I, I think it's like. At that point of the game, some people are amused by seeing Albert Pujols pitch or whatever. Or, but you didn't pay your money to go out and see right. fun times. You know, the 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 guys that you paid to see a major league game. You don't do the equivalent at the end of, a, of an NBA game or an NFL game. You know, yeah. you don't you pay to see a game, man. You, you don't put Shaq at point guard. <laughs> yeah, it's just that you're waving a white flag and just like cat craps and giggles and guys are laughing. Not to mention what it does to stats. Guys hit a couple of bombs. It's like those shouldn't even count, man. You're hitting a batting practice homer. Why should that Anthony, count? <laughs> Anthony Rendon hit a home run left-handed this year. Yeah, exactly. Off like a 55-mile-an-hour pitch. But the worst part about it was there was a no-hitter going. The dude was throwing a no-hitter for the Angels. Yep. And, you know, the other team brings in a position yeah. player throwing 45 down that. the middle. Like, it turned a no-hitter into a complete clown show. Oh, my God. It's like a debacle. It's like, okay, so we got the most serious thing in the world going when that team's up. And then we're switching over here, and it's, hey, look at who we're bringing yeah. in. It's, that, yeah. that's, that was ridiculous. 
And every position player just throws 45 miles an hour now. I even I saw Simba pitch, and I was like, oh, I want to see I if know. he can get up to 93 or something like Snit that. He said the same 50. thing. Snit said Pissed the same thing. Off. I've he always saw, wanted to see him pitch. Snit was like, uh, they finally, Simba always begged to get in the game when he was here, and they never used him. He goes, he gets in the game, you're waiting for him to throw gas, and he's up there. <laughs> 45. What are you doing, Simba? Um, by the way, man, Pete Alonso, oh, my God. This guy. Yeah. He, he had 53 homers as a rookie. He's on pace right now. He might hit 60, dude. Yeah. The way he's doing lately. He's got 16 homers and 54 ribbies in 56 games. Yeah, 54. <laughs> he's Oh, my God. That guy's a beast. He's scary. He's scary in the box. 53 strikeouts and 212 at-bats. <laughs> You'll totally take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, with those numbers. <laughs> He's the three outcomes guy right now. What he got fifty? What sixteen homers of his sixty hits, nine doubles. Actually, more singles than I would have even thought. Anyway, but anyway, the Braves. Uh, man, it's a good thing they did get going because if they'd have gone out and had a crappy road trip, they would have came home twelve games down. Yeah. So yeah. and you got to do it again. You know, you got you got to capitalize on this a little bit easier schedule you got coming up yeah. because. That there's the Mets don't have Degrom or Scherzer right and now. They're doing this or, or McGill, McGill, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they That's got impressive. three, three top of the line starters coming back. Yeah, yeah. And the Braves, you know, they got they could have Rosario coming back in another month or so. They could, they could have Matzik going back, but he's not throwing. He's not pitching yet. Throwing, I think he might have just started throwing in the last day or two. Yeah, but he's they still need him. He's still a ways away, and so, and you know, and we've talked about. We've talked about our guy. We don't know Soroka. You know, you hope he's back right after the All-Star break, but you don't know until he's in there. So yeah, they need to keep doing what they're doing. They just had their first winning homestand, and they followed that up with their first winning road trip. So that's a big, a really good sign for the Braves uh, at a time when they really had to. You can't you can't afford to let the Mets go off double digits lead and just keep building it. So No, you got it. From here on out, you got to be chipping away yeah, week after week. Away. You know, even if you get a game a week, tie a week, get a game – you you have to start putting pressure on them. You you can't let them play comfortable. And if you win every series, you can do that. Yeah, that's the way you do it. Win every series. You don't have to sweep like the Rockies, like they did the Rockies. But you needed to sweep the Rockies after losing two or three Arizona. You just need to go out and win two out of three every series. Yeah, and they're they're playing. I mean, they could have they could have gone. They could have won every game on that road trip. You know, it's it's not like they got lucky or snuck it. They they gave away two games and still had a great road trip. So they're playing really good baseball and they're starting to look like like the Braves again. All right. Well, we're going to do one of these things on Wednesday with uh, room for you guys. So hopefully the Braves win, so you guys will not be able to. You won't be able to bitch about anything. <laughs> All right. That's my favorite part when they win. Is Thanks. We don't everybody. have to stay still early anymore. We appreciate Thanks. it, everybody. Thanks a lot. Seven fifty-five is real. We're out. Yeah.